Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, let's do that. I'm going to share some verses with you this morning before we get started. They're not going to be on the screen. I just, I just want to kick off with this because we're, we're going to start with some scripture and then we're going to end with some scripture, but in the middle is just going to be a lot of teaching and unique things that, that it'll, it'll make sense in a second. But Philippians uh, um, 4 says that we are to fix our thoughts. Now, brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, is the first word that he uses. Fix your thoughts. Whatever is true, think on such things, whatever is true. Well, how do you know what truth is? How do you know what to fix your thoughts on if you don't know, everybody, here's what we're going to talk about today. If you don't know the word of God, how do you know what is true? How do you know what to think about? How do you know what to think about if you don't know what is true? True, and we're still answering that question, what is truth? This is Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16 says, uh, these are the things that you are to do. You are to speak the truth to each other. You're to speak the truth to each other. So we don't just think about the truth. We actually speak the truth. Again, how do you know what to speak? Not only what to think, but to speak if you don't know The truth, if you don't know the truth. Ephesians 4 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So we're not only to think the truth, we are to speak the truth. And how do we speak the truth? We speak the truth in love. We don't speak it with hearts of pride, with high-mindedness. That's not how we speak the truth. We actually speak the truth in love. Let me say it this way. We speak the truth because we're living for the benefit of someone else. So today, what I'm doing today, at this very moment, is I'm going to be speaking the truth to you, and the heart behind it is because I love you so much, I want you to know the truth because the truth sets you free that brings freedom to your life, then I would be a terrible pastor if I did not speak the truth, and if I did not speak the truth in love, in love. So there's a lot of pastors out there that they are so angry with the world and they're so angry with their people. They might be speaking the truth, but they're speaking it in pride or they're speaking it in anger and frustration. Everybody, that's not, that's not the way we are meant to live life. It's not how we're supposed to think. It's not how we're supposed to talk. We are to speak the truth, but we are to do it in Love. Aren't you glad you go to a loving church that holds to the truth but embraces anybody who walks through our doors and helps them understand the truth? Aren't you glad about that, everybody? So that's that's who we are. That's definitely who we are. So I'm going to start out this this day, and we're going to take a quiz. It's a quiz, everybody. And if you want to, on your sermon notes at the very top of whatever, there's going to be eight questions. And I just want you to write yes or no down to each one of them, okay? So if, if you want to just do it in your mind, you can do that too, but... Here are the questions, here's the quiz, and this this quiz is very short, and I'm not going to give you much time, it just needs to be, you should know this, if you're you're a Christian, you should know this, here we go. Does absolute moral truth exist? 
write that, write that answer down. And now, now listen, don't answer out loud, okay? Don't answer out loud. We don't want to, no cheaters, all right? Does absolute moral truth exist? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? That was question number two. If truth does exist, is it defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a life without sin? Number four, is God the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe who rules supreme? Number five, is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Number six is simple. Is Satan real? Is he real? Number seven, does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is it a Christian's responsibility? Is it a mandate for us to do that? And then number eight, is the Bible accurate in every single one of its teachings? Is it accurate? Is it accurate? Now, the reason why I ask those questions and hold, hold your answers just for a bit the reasons why I ask those questions are these are the same questions that George Barna asked in a, in a poll that he asked, uh, he's, a, he's a Christian pollster, and he asked this of a poll of born-again believers, of people who say, yes, I have been changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior, okay? So he asked these questions, and the question, the answers to all of these questions should have been, if you knew the truth, it should have been yes to every single one of them, okay? Now, the problem with that is, and many of the people in this room, you're like, well, obviously, obviously. Well, watch this, everybody. According to George Barna, only 9% of born-again Christians answered yes to every single one of those. Only 9%. How many know we have a problem in our world? And with it, George Barner released this statement, and I'm going to share it with you because it is powerful, and I want you to listen. I want you to listen to this. The Christian body in America, so we're talking about a national poll in America, is immersed in a crisis of biblical illiteracy. How else can you describe matters when most church-going adults today reject the accuracy of the Bible the existence of Satan, or the kingship of Jesus. They also see, need, they see no need to evangelize, and they believe that good works is one of the keys to persuading God to forgive them of their sins. It is biblical illiteracy. Nine percent said yes to the fundamental beliefs of Christianity. To only 9% said that they agreed with eight simple fundamental truths. Fundamental truths. Biblical illiteracy. Are you biblically illiterate? Do you know your Bible? If I were to say a, a, the, a, the name of, of somebody, let's say an Old Testament sounding name, and say, hey, and let's say I just make it up. I'm going to make up this name and say, hey, look up so-and-so chapter 2, verse 3. Would you start looking for that, or would you realize that's not even in the Bible? What's this guy talking about? 
My dad used to, to trick us. He, he would just, you know, he would just say a name and say, hey, could you find that in the Bible? <laughs> Me and my brother, yeah. <gasps> no, <laughs> not, not there at all. It's a fun game. You should play that at some point. And um, um, I'll say this, everybody, that biblical illiteracy, it's not just knowing the books of the Bible, but it's knowing the content of the Bible. It's knowing the content of the Bible. And many of you, I'm really... I'm really um, uh, how do I say this? So glad that you're here because many of you come out of, of backgrounds that are different from my background, being raised in church, being raised with a, a father who was a pastor that's been in ministry my whole life. Um, many of you came out of backgrounds that had no experience in church or even in a Christian home. You weren't raised in a Christian home. You certainly weren't a Christian. Or some of you attended other types of churches where, where someone, the, the pastor or, or the priest, would just say, hey, there's really no reason to study your Bible. I'll just teach you what the Bible says. And, and they never encouraged the, the reading, the study of the Scripture, even though the Scripture tells us that it is to be studied and read and, and, and applied, obviously. And, and some of you are, are at this place where you're like, Pastor, I've never even really been around the Bible much. I, haven't, I just don't know. And I want to say, welcome to New Song. We're glad you're here. Like, so glad you're here. And, and my goal today is not only to teach you the word of God, but my goal today is, is that you would have a hunger inside of you that when you leave this place, you say, hey, I want to study this for myself. And you say, well, I'm not qualified. Yes, you are. You are qualified. You can read, right? If you can read, you're qualified. And, and the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He'll actually teach the word of God to you. All of a sudden, the word of God will come alive. It'll just come alive. And if you're sitting here today saying, well, I don't even know where to start. I don't, I don't know where, where to start. Don't start in, the, start in the book of Numbers. Don't start there. Don't start in Leviticus. Don't start there. So I would start in the book of John. That would be the first place that I would start. And after you go through the book of John, it's in the New Testament, I would go back and hit all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then I, I would just start reading through the, the, uh, uh, the New Testament. Um, it, it, like anywhere in the New Testament's great. I, I mean, it's just great stuff, and it's applicable. And, and if you say, well, I have questions about that, you need to be in a small group. You, you've got to be in a small group. You, you need to have somebody in your life in which you can ask questions. So here's, here's a, somewhat of a review from last week. It'll go very quickly. So I'll write this down. The first thing that we learned last week is that we have to, to embrace a biblical worldview. We have to embrace a biblical worldview in which our beliefs and actions are filtered through truth. In other words, they're filtered through the Bible, the word of God. So you have to embrace a biblical worldview. And if you're a Christian... You have acknowledged Jesus of the Bible as your Savior. So it should make sense to you, well, if you believe in Jesus, who this book is all about, then it should be easier for you to say, well, I'm going to read the rest of the Bible and believe the rest of the Bible. I, it's beyond me how people can believe in the Jesus of the Bible, but not believe the entirety of the Bible. I don't understand that. To me, that's hypocritical. To me, you're just taking a little facet of it and saying, well, I believe this and I'll, I'll take this because I want to go to heaven, but I just, I'll just ignore the rest. The rest isn't important to me. Well, listen, you're wrong. You're wrong. The rest is vitally important to you. And you need to embrace a biblical worldview in which everything in your life is filtered through truth, through the word of God. We said this last week, that truth is absolute. It is absolute. It is consistent with the will of 
and the nature of God. We're going to get into that in, in a little while, in a couple of weeks. It is consistent with the will and the nature of God. So truth is the same as and equal to the original. So the original being an external reference. So something, we, we, we said it this way, if you remember, if you're a builder and you're building a wall, and we would say this you know, years ago, is, is that true? And, and what it would be, we would measure it to a plumb line to make sure that that wall was perfectly level, that, that it was true. So for instance, if you're in, if you're in uh, London, you would see this in a lot of uh, 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 movies, for instance, especially if, you, if my, my wife likes weird movies that are based in like the 1800s of, of England and, and BBC type of stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? Just that weird stuff. And uh, she's not weird, but what she watches is weird. And, and you'll, you'll see a lot of this happening a lot of time where they'll pull out, they'll pull out a timepiece, they'll pull out a pocket watch, and as they're looking at their watch, sometimes they'll, 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 they'll look up at Big Ben and compare their watch with what Big Ben says, right? So, so nobody looks at their watch in those movies. I've never seen anybody look at their watch and, and, and look at Big Ben and then say, oh, somebody needs to go change Big Ben because he's wrong. No, no, Big Ben in that area, the Big Ben is the, is the source, it's the original, and everybody changes their watch to what Big Ben says. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, so we don't expect them to change Big Ben for us, we change us for Big Ben. And, and in the same way, I don't expect God to change for me, he's the original source. He is, he, he was and is and is to come. He has always been and he will always be. So I don't say, hey, God, I need you to change for me. What I need to do is surrender myself to God and say, I will change for you. Because you're the source of truth. That's a sermon in itself, everybody. Like that'll preach right there. So we don't ask God to adjust. We end up adjusting our lives around the truth, which is God. And his word obviously reveals him to us. So his word is, the Bible says, it's true. It's true. He is, he is true. So let, let me go a little bit further then. So I don't know if you have this written down, but you've probably figured it out by now. Letter C is the Bible is the external reference for all people. Not, not just for those who believe in Jesus. The Bible is the external reference for all people. It's for all people because if it's true then it's true for everybody. That truth, it, truth just doesn't, truth doesn't just work here in America, but not in Africa. If it is true here in America, it is also true in, in Africa. Because culture doesn't define truth. Just like culture can't define God. Oh, that's good. You see what I'm saying, everybody? So if it's really true, it's going to work here but it's going to work in Africa and it's going to work in communist Asia. It's going to work around the world. In South America, truth is truth. No matter where it's located, it's still truth. It's unchangeable. It's everlasting. It's everlasting. And so, so here's, here's the question though then. Uh, let, me, let me say it like this. Then how do we know the truth? Because the Bible makes some very, very big distinctive claims. Let, let me just give you a couple of them. These are just some huge 
distinctive claims that the Bible makes, that God not only exists, but he chose to communicate with us through, and here's just three, three ways, the three examples. There's, there's an, a, another way, I guarantee you. He chose to communicate with us through his creation, like the heavens declare the glory of God, right? He chose to communicate with us through his creation, through our moral conscience, and of course, the Bible. But he also, by the way, communicates through us, through his spirit, who speaks to us and confirms his word. Okay, so that's a huge claim. That's a very distinctive claim. Let me go even further, everybody. So here's another claim of the Bible. Jesus is the son of God, and salvation is offered to all through him alone. He's the only savior of the world. There is no savior outside of Christ. That is a huge claim. Think about that. So, how can you prove the Bible without using the Bible? Now, that's a good question. Because we know the Bible makes very distinctive claims. So, how, how can we, if somebody's saying, well, how do I know that's true? How, how do I know that the Bible is true? And you say, well, the Bible is well, they're going to look at you, no, no, you don't understand. I'm asking you, how do I know the Bible is true? Well, you know, the book of, no, no. Because if you're using the Bible as proof, and I'm asking you, what makes the Bible true? I need you to think from the outside. So, so it, it would be like... Well, they, they, there's a, there's a, a term for that. It's it's cyclical. It's it doesn't it doesn't make sense to think of it like that. To to think of of us proving the Bible to be true using the Bible if people are actually questioning the Bible itself. So just because you use the Bible to answer them, they're they're going to look at you and say, no no no, I don't know that I believe the Bible, so I don't believe your answer. Give me another answer outside of the Bible that shows the Bible to be true. Well, that's a great question. In fact, I've asked that question extensively. See, see, I, I was raised in obviously a Christian home. But I was a pastor's kid, and I was just raised at a young age that God is 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 God, and Jesus is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and and uh, the Bible is true, and then I'm out to obey God, and I just as a child, okay, I'll I'll, I'll do that. Then, and I was a pretty good boy. I, I followed. I followed Jesus. I wasn't one of those rebellious kids. I, I wanted to do the right thing. I always hated it when I failed. I just, I, I, I was just built that way. Maybe you were too. Maybe you were the other side and you were rebellious. I don't know. But my story is I was just, I was just, I, I wanted, I wanted God to be happy with me. I, I wanted, I, I wanted him to, to, how do I say this? I wanted to know that I was accepted by him and I certainly wasn't going to rebel against God mostly because as a child, I didn't want to go to hell. You know, like that's true. I just, if, hey, if heaven or hell, I'm choosing heaven. You know, I'm not no dummy, you know, that type of deal. And, and then I got to an age, well, how do I know the Bible's real? J just because my parents told me, does that make it true? That's a big thought. That's a big thought. And I was having those thoughts as a child. 
As eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, I was asking those questions. Well, just because mom and dad says it, how do I know that it's true? So if you were to go to your children or your grandchildren, you were to ask them a question, hey, listen, is lying wrong? They would say yes, and you would ask the question, well, why? Why is lying wrong? And you cannot say, because the Bible says so. And you cannot say, because I said so, or because mom and dad said so. So I'm going I'm to take out those two answers. You can't use because God says so, and you can't use because my parents say so. So why is lying wrong? And most kids, teenagers, children alike, they'll look and you're like, I don't know, because the Bible says, nope, you can't use that. Because my mom, no, no, can't use that. And they don't know. So, so why is stealing wrong? But you can't use the Bible, you can't use your parents said, so why is stealing wrong? I don't know. And I, as a child, I was looking at that, that scenario of, well, is God real just because my parents say he's real? Or is he real, real? And you know the story, I've told this story before, that one night when I was a child, probably in like first grade, something like that, I put a Tonka truck in the middle of my room at nighttime, and when I was going to bed, I made this prayer, oh God, if you're real, move my Tonka truck into the closet by morning, because I just want to know that you're real. And you would think that God would say, oh, okay, well, he's, hey, you know, and drive that into the closet. And did you know when I woke up the next morning, that Tonka truck was still in the middle of the room. And I was so disappointed. And yet it didn't stop me from believing in God. I just started asking for, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. You know, like I just wanted to know what was real, what was true. And how do we know, how do we know that the Bible is true? How the Bible, without using the Bible, how can we prove that the Bible is true without using it? That's a great question. Let's look at some examples, and these are just examples of external evidence. And now, again, if, if you are, let me say this, I'm just giving a brief outline here. This is not, this is not all-inclusive. It is not exhaustive. And so if you are really still struggling with this question, I want to give you two different books. One is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, and the other one is uh, 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 it's by Josh McDowell, uh, a, Yes, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Exactly right. Great stuff. My mind went blank there. Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ. Okay? And, and it's the entire books of external and internal evidence. So I'm just giving you a couple of examples. Everybody got that. This is not exhaustive. But one of the examples of external evidence, in fact, two of them, include accurate transmittal of ancient biblical manuscripts. That would be one as well as archaeological finds. So let, let me say it this way, that the Bible was actually, it, it was copied over and over and over again, and it was spread throughout the known world at that time, and we have these ancient manuscripts, and there, there's consistency among them. It, it's, it's, it's coherent, it's consistent. Let, let me say it, let me say it a, a different way, everybody. That as you look at the original text, they not only have been transmitted correctly, but they're very, very historical in nature. 
In fact, even when people who don't believe in Jesus want to study history in the Middle East especially, guess where they're going to look? Guess where they're going to look to go find cities that don't exist now, but they did then? They're going to look at the Bible because it's not only true and it's not only authoritative, but it's also accurate. Everybody get that? Not only that, but we have these, these archaeological finds. So my wife and I, of course, two years ago, we went to Israel, and, and we literally, you're walking in the world of the Bible. Like you're standing in places where Jesus stood. You're standing in places where the apostles stood. You're out on the, on, on the, the Sea of Galilee where, where the disciples were and Jesus were, where miracles occurred. And you go to these sites and they'll say, oh, by the way, it says in such and such book that this city and this city was actually here. And this is how they made their entrance into that city. And this is where it was attacked from. And all of, all of those archaeological finds actually prove the word of God. Let me say it a different way. That the more archaeological discoveries that are made, the more proof is evident concerning the word of God. They continually prove the word of God over and over and over again. And this is by people, archaeologists, who don't necessarily believe in Jesus. They, they might, might even be atheistic or agnostic. But the more discoveries they find, the more it just proves the word of God. There is lots of external evidence, but there's also internal evidence. Okay, Internal evidence would be that the Bible's consistency and the coherence of it, that it was written over a period of some 1,500 years by multiple authors. So, so actually the Bible, you could say, is a book of books. It's a book of books. It's many books assembled into one book written by multiple authors over 1,500 years. And it reveals a very accurate, systematic theology that has literally stood the test of time and continues to do so. A very accurate, systematic th theology. Meaning this, out of all of these authors written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they all point to God as creator, God as the source of truth, and Jesus as Messiah. Over and over and over and over again. It's amazing. It's amazing. The prophecies that Jesus fulfilled that were written hundreds and hundreds of years before his birth. We, we look at that, those of, those of us who study the Bible, without God, it would have been an impossibility. Without God... It would have been, there are so many messianic prophecies written hundreds of years ahead of time that Jesus fulfilled them all. Coincidence? No. It, see, see, the, the, the uh, let, let me say it this way. If, if I just decided one day to say, hey, we're going to build a, we're going to build a building for new song and I'm just going to snap my fingers and all of the parts are just going to appear exactly how they are. You would say, that, that's not going to happen. Well, of all of those writers who are writing about Jesus for hundreds and prophesying about the coming king, the, th the fact that he fulfilled them all is like this building being assembled all by itself. Miraculous. And yet, true. Yet true. Let, let me say it this way. 
that Jesus himself becomes an argument in support of the Bible due to the extensive secular writings, not Christian writings, but secular writings that actually verify the authenticity of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, for instance, there are a lot of writings outside of the Bible that prove even, even atheists know Jesus was real. He existed, and miracles followed his life. And it's not just written about in the Bible, but there's extensive writings and historical documents that convey the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. And he did what he said he did and what we read that he did. It really occurred. And by the way, the grave was truly empty three days later. Proven, not just by Christian theologians, but by atheists. Everybody, there's evidence everywhere. And again, if you, if you want to study that more, evidence that demands a verdict, Josh McDowell, a hero of the faith, least horrible case for Christ. So if one believes then in Jesus, he or she must also believe in what Jesus said. So if you're sitting here today saying, well, I believe in Jesus, well, you need to believe what Jesus said. That's pretty important. You can't have one without the other. Well, I believe in Jesus and he's my savior. I don't really, I don't really agree with what he said, though. That, well, does that make sense? Come on, everybody. Does that make sense? It makes no sense at all. So even people who are not Christians would look at you and say, hey, yeah, if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe what he says. Like that, that only makes sense. And here's what Jesus said. John 10, 35, Jesus testified to the authority. You look these up later. That's why they're in your notes. He testified to the authority of the Bible. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus, uh, it proves that Jesus believed and trusted in the Old Testament law and the prophets, and actually he fulfilled both. Again, that's Jesus. It's coming from Jesus. Hey, I believe in the law and of the prophets, and by the way, I, I came to fulfill them. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus 4, verse Verse 4, Jesus also said that we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God, thereby verifying that God is the ultimate source of truth. Hey, if you want to live, it comes, from, it comes from God. You need to listen to God. Why? Because he's true. Because he's true. Jesus said that himself. This is amazing. So, so, so there's some very important questions involved in this then. The, the first one is this. Do personal beliefs or emotions impact what is true? Do personal beliefs or emotions impact what is true? Let, let, let me say this a, a different way. That... An error, Listen to this, that truths are true just because they're true and not because someone simply believes that they're true. Truths are true because they're true. Whether you believe it or not, they're still true. Okay, so just, so then, so... Just because somebody, let's talk about emotions here then. So just because somebody is offended doesn't mean that something is not true. 
So we could all go outside and we could answer this question, hey, the sky is blue. And some weirdo out there is going to say, I am so offended because that's black. That's black as I've ever seen it. You're looking at that person like, what? What? No. Like, just because you're offended that somebody says something that's true, it doesn't mean that it's not true. Your offense does not change truth. And the offense of this world does not change what is true. Ask yourself this. So is the Bible true because I believe it? Or do I believe it because it's true? And those are two very, very important questions to ask. Is the Bible true because I believe it? Or do I believe it because it's true? As for me, I believe it. Because it's true. But even if I didn't believe in it, it would still be true. It would still be true. And it has been proven over and over and over and over again. See, see, the foundation of our faith is not emotions. But truth, it's the very foundation of our faith. I'm going to say that again. That the foundation of our faith is not emotions. The foundation of our faith is truth. And that's good news. Because your emotions change all the time. Let me give you some examples of this. In the past, um, in the past uh, 50 years ago, this nation believed things to be true that now no longer, they no longer believe to be true. And they would say, well, we have been enlightened. We, we, we have been woke, everybody. And what used to be true is no longer true. Well, what's, if, you follow that, if you follow that logic then, then what they hold to be true now will not necessarily be true in another 50 years. That doesn't make sense. And if I were to say, how many of you think that makes sense? Everybody, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Exactly, but that's where our nation is going right now. That's what our nation is doing. They're, they're, they're trying to adjust truth to, fix their, to, to fit their narrative. And now all of a sudden, there's a, a vast group of people in this nation that don't believe what culture is teaching them and what media is teaching them, but they're so afraid of being called out that they won't stand up for truth. Because they're afraid of being called a, a bigot or intolerant. Well, I don't want to be accused of that, so I'm going to watch my words. Everybody, everybody, we have to stand up. We have to stand up. But, but we stand up in love and in truth. We don't do it in pride and high-mindedness. We don't get, in, I'm going to set you straight. No, 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 no. It's not about anger. It's about compassion. Compassion for those who don't know the truth. 
In their world, it makes sense. In their world, it just adds up. And in our world, we can look at that and say, well, they have been deceived. It's so obvious that they've been deceived. And your heart should be broken for what's happening in our nation. And yes, I know sometimes I get angry too. I, 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 uh, some people in this room know this, that I've wanted to punch a few people before that happened to be politicians. I just wanted to. I still do sometimes. I call it my punch list. But I say that in jest, but the truth of the matter is I do get angry sometimes. I do. But, and I have to constantly remind myself that they're lost, Justin. They are lost. They don't know Jesus. And all of a sudden, my anger turns to compassion. My anger turns to somebody's got to speak the truth. And somebody's got to do it in love. So, 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 so do personal beliefs or emotions impact truth? And the answer to that, obviously, is no. So it goes to, to beg the second question. And so what am I, current believe, what am I currently believing that is not true? What am I currently believing that isn't true? You're like, well, I, I don't know. Well, it seems to me you better find out. But let me say it this way. I don't want to live my life believing a lie. I don't want to do that. I, I want to live my life according to the truth. Why? Because the truth brings life and it brings freedom. To me, it brings the blessings of God upon my life. And I'm telling you, in this generation, we have to hold a standard. Well, what standard? Your standard? What if your standard is different from my standard? <coughs> Everybody with me? So, so do we hold your standard? Or I just agree with Pastor Justin. I'm just going to hold his standard. You better not. Because Justin isn't always, I try to be, but Justin doesn't always know what's best. Sometimes Justin lets his emotions get away from him too. So we don't hold to my standard, but I don't hold to your standard. We hold to this standard, the word of God. In a world in which this standard is being suppressed. In fact, next week, I'm going to teach you about the, what happens when you suppress the truth. I'm telling you, it'll be life-changing. It'll be life-changing for you. What happens when you suppress the truth? I want to end with this portion of Scripture. We started out with some, and now I'm going to focus on Galatians chapter 5 for a few minutes. And I know this is a very, I'm, if you know me, I normally throw so much Scripture into sermons that people can barely keep up. Today's a little bit different of a day. But this is powerful nonetheless. Galatians chapter 5 verse 7 says this. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. For he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching. So we have the who. And now we have the what. This false teaching, the what, is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing what? False teachings. God will judge that person, the who. God will judge that person. 
whoever he is who's been confusing you. Can, can I tell you something, everybody? There's some people that maybe you've been paying attention to in Hollywood, and they're going to be judged by God in a way that you wouldn't want to be judged by God. And they are leading a nation away from God and away from truth. They're going to have to answer to that. But you're going to have to answer for this. Did you follow them? See, they have to answer for promoting false teachings and teaching false teachings. But you have to answer for following false teachings. And he says, who cut in on you and took you off the right path? What, what path is that? The path of truth. The path to freedom. Who, took, who cut in on you and took you off that path? See, that, that path is going to give you your best life. But not if you get off of that path. It's dangerous. Let, let me ask you a question, new song. Who cut in on you? If you're not believing the truth, you need to figure out who's cut in on you. Who's cut in on you? Who are you believing? And what are they teaching you? I, I want to challenge you. That a little bit of yeast spreads through the whole batch of dough. Can I, can, I, can I put it in different terms here? So if, if you allow a little bit of untruth in your house, how many know it can spread through the whole house? If you allow a little bit of untruth in your life, it has, this, it has the potential to spread through the whole batch of dough. It has the potential to spread through the whole family. It has the potential to, to spread to friends. It has the potential to spread. And obviously, God is looking at that and saying, oh, that should not be. That should not be. Parents and grandparents, could, could you listen to me very quickly? What are you allowing into your life and into your home that is false? That's just not true. You say, well, how do I determine that? It is anything that opposes this book called the Bible. It is anything that opposes, that stands in opposition to this book. So if this book says that something is wrong, then it's wrong. You say, but... Pastor, how do I know? Because truth is the same as or equal to the original. That truth is always consistent with the will and the nature of God. So why is lying wrong? Because God is truth. Why is stealing wrong? Because God is generous. 
See, if I ask you all these questions, well, you can't tell me, you can't answer by saying, well, my parents said so or the Bible says so. Then why is lying wrong? Why is stealing wrong? Why is murder wrong? But you can't say because the Bible says so or because my mom and dad says so. So why is murder wrong? Because God is life. It's his, it's his, it's his, it's his character. It's his nature. It's also his will. You see, truth is consistent with the will and the nature of God. It is unchangeable because God is unchangeable. So, so why are sexual sins wrong? Because God is pure. And that's unchangeable. So what impurities are you allowing into your life or into your home? Because if you're allowing it into your life, it will spread. It will spread. You guys received the word of the Lord today, yes or no? I'm telling you, it's life-changing stuff. We need to embrace the truth. This series, in some ways, is just beginning, and I'm having a riot doing it. I'm just having the time of my life. I want you to stand up with me very quickly. And I, I want again want to tell you that next Sunday, we're going to be looking at what happens when you suppress the truth. And there's some topics that are going to come out just through the Word of God. I'm not going to purposely bring them out to make a point. They're just in the Word of God, and they're naturally going to come out. And, um, and they're politically incorrect. And, uh, um, and some of you are like, well, I don't know if I like this or not. I don't know if I agree with this or not. And that's where you have to, you have to answer this question. Are you going to live your life according to the truth? Or are you going to... to th- Are you going to allow yourself to believe that your emotions or your personal beliefs can change truth? And the answer to that should be for all of us, no, I'm not going to do that. Because the word of God is true. And it is unchangeable. It it is from everlasting to everlasting. It is eternal. And it will stand forever, I promise you that. So let's open up our hands toward heaven. Could we do that? Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We thank you for loving us. And we know you love us because your word teaches us that. Your word is true. That you never forsake us, you never lead us. That your spirit is actually guiding us into truth. And so, Father, sometimes our hearts get a, a little a little biased, a little prideful, where there's sometimes that we don't want to listen to truth or we don't want to be guided into truth because of of our sinful nature. And it's that, Father, today that we lay down. We lay down our flesh. We lay down anything within us that would reject or stand in opposition to truth. We lay those things down because we want to be a people of truth. We want to be a people of your word. We want to know it. We want to be set free by it. We want our families to be set free by it. We want our, we want our posterity to be set free by it, Lord, the, for generations to come. We want them to live in the freedom of truth, the freedom of your word. We want to, them to live a life that is full of life and life abundant. Lord, that's what we want, not only for us, not only for our spouse, for our children, for grandchildren, but for generations to come. Father, we want to be a people of truth. We want to hold to the truth. We want to believe the truth. We want to speak the truth in love. 
We want to be a people of truth. So, Father, we surrender our own ideas. Lord, we stand up to what culture and the media and this generation is trying, the the lies that they're trying to shove down our throats. We reject those things and exchange them for the truth found in your word. Your word is true. And we thank you for it. And we rejoice in you today. We submit our lives to you and to your word. And if you agree with that this morning, can you say a very big amen? Amen. 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 As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.